pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Original Strength Podcast. We have a super special show for you this week. We have Mr. George Mumford, the meditation teacher and coach who is the author of The Mindful Athlete, Secrets of Pure Performance. George, welcome to the show. What's up? What's up, Tim? Good to be here. Thank um, you. Hello. Hello. Everybody there. I'm fired up and ready to go. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so George, you wrote The Mindful Athlete. Um, can you give us a brief synopsis of what that's about? Yes. So, The Mindful Athlete, Secrets of Pure Performance. So, it was a book that came out of, it's interesting, the story of it is I, ha I have this friend of mine who w was working for, used to work for this uh, publisher Parallax Press. It's actually um, it's owned by Titnan, the Titnan Han Foundation. If people don't know who Titnan Han is, he's a Zen uh, poet, meditation. Uh, he's, he's a monk as well, and he's been re writing books like My the Miracle of Mindfulness and Pieces in Every Step and tons of books. So anyway, she's been after me for years to write a book about uh, mindfulness and performance or mindfulness and athletic, and athletic competition. And so, so, I, um, so I ended up writing the book on, and I call it The Mindful Athlete Secrets to Pure Performance. And in the book, I, I give uh, this little autobiographical about my, my struggle with substance abuse, you know, having been an athlete and getting injured in college and and not knowing who I was and getting addicted to payment and then illegal drugs and alcohol. And so I talk about how this process of what I call the five superpowers, which is what it's based on and the superpowers are, are mindfulness. People have heard some idea of that mindfulness, um, effort, uh, concentration, uh, uh, wisdom and insight and, and trust, not necessarily in that order. But the interesting thing is, so I wanted to write a book that shared my experience, strength and hope about uh, this thing called life and performing, having pure performance as, you know, in work, love and play, but also it reflects my work with the elite athletes, you know, mostly Phil Jackson's teams over the last two decades, uh, including uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and, and I could name uh, multiple others, uh, big, big shot Rob Ory. Um, a bunch of different people, Steve Kerr, ton of people. Um, and I've also worked over in England with the premier soccer players. I worked with NFL teams. I worked with people from Yale jail, locker rooms and boardrooms. And so it's just uh, kind of the foundation in terms of, of the tools or the mindsets that we need in order to, 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 to perform at a pure level or to have pure performance. And to me, that has a, a lot to do with being able to be yourself and express yourself. So I've, I've read the mindful athlete three times. Um, I, and you talk about the, where you went from, like you were addicted to drugs and you had a friend who invited you to an AA meeting. Right. And, and that kind of started the, the change for you. Right. And you talk briefly about how it was like the struggle of maybe like you had to like even getting on your knees in a bathroom stall one day when you were just hurting so bad. Right. But it's real easy to see those two or three sentences and think that you still did it just like that. Um, uh, 
how how hard or challenging was it to really become you to become to find yourself to become mindful yeah. to overcome yes the yes. the struggles and the addictions and everything yeah. else so i'll share with you so um one of my roommates at umass in college was uh julia serving dr j yes and i remember just the whole phenomenon of him coming out of new york city and 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 going to school at umass amherst and basically putting him on the map and he was being interviewed and i believe it was after he left umass and he was he might have been playing in the in the aba before he went to the nba and he was asked uh you know what does it feel like to be an overnight success and julius is, is extremely i mean he's one of the nicest people you you ever meet but he's extremely intelligent and sharp, uh, personable. And he said, it took my whole life to become an overnight success. Oh, wow. So, so to answer your question, it's taken my whole life to become, you know, and I am a mindful athlete or the mindful athlete, if you want to say it that way. And it's, and so it's, and in the book I talk about it is it's, through struggle that we find who we are you know joseph campbell said we you know i like you know where our pain is is where our life is and so having to make peace with the fact that i had chronic pain and i was self-medicating and i didn't discover that until i got clean and sober and i recognized that that i had chronic pain migraine headaches back aches as well as emotional pain and I had to figure out how to re how to deal with it, how to manage it. Taking a couple of stress management courses and other things, but what really what it really came down to is for me to become a learner or have the growth mindset, and to really understand that you know, in my addictions, especially my addictions, there was no space between stimulus and response. You just acted based on your addictions or your conditioning or wanting to alleviate or release tension. And so I had to learn that, you know, through this process of uh, being mindful and understanding um, the basic essentials about who I am as a person and, and what domain I'm working in, just understanding that. So I had to be more reflexive and more thoughtful about what I was doing and what I was getting so that I started to make the connection between effort and the results. And I started to make the connection between effort and meaning and so so it was really more about me just just really be still and know just understand okay i am responsible and how do i self-regulate how do i uh, uh, generate thoughts feelings and behaviors that are going to be in alignment with with my values who i say i want to be and where i say i want to go and so without this ability to, to, under, to see clearly and to understand, not just see what's happening, but also understand how things work, how I work, how the universe works, and just aligning myself with, with these principles that are in alignment with what it means to be fully present and to be participating in my life, to really understand that I get to choose who I am being from moment to moment. It doesn't matter where I am, uh, Victor Frankl said, even in uh, uh, concentration camp, you know, you don't have liberty in terms of being able to go where you want to go and eat and 
go to the bathroom or work when you want to, but you get to choose your reaction and your response to that. And he says it's even more critical when an unavoidable suffering that we choose the attitude or we, we relate to it in a way that it that it creates meaning, and and um, and we find ourselves in that suffering by just our human dignity, our, our saying yes, this is how I'm going to die. Yes, this is how I'm going to live, and these are the qualities of mind that I have to develop, cultivate, uh, allow to have a residence in my mind that will allow me to be able to do things that I could not do on my own. And so for me, it was really understanding that not only dis, uh, abstain from using substances, but also the quality of life I was gonna have, that it had everything to do with, with how, I, how I managed my, my body, my mind, my heart, and my soul. Back in those days, we used to talk about physical, mental, and spiritual and then I added in the emotional because that that covers the heart the emotions and relationships and just understanding okay I'm responsible what's possible for me and just realizing that in in my in my pain my chronic pain that because my butt was on fire and I didn't have any choice I had I had a choice but I made the choice to live I made the choice to take the responsibility of understanding how I needed to live, how I needed to relate to my migraines, how I needed to relate to my chronic uh, back uh, issues or muscle tension or the emotional um, distress is that I had the freedom and power to choose if I could create space between stimulus and response and I needed to access the power. So I call the five superpowers. I talked about mindfulness right after it concentration of focus, uh, faith and insight of, or wisdom, that, that those five superpowers is like my personal power plant. So that if I can cultivate those, and mindfulness helps me to cultivate effort or diligence, focus, uh, trust, and insight. It helps me to develop them, but it also helps me to balance them so that if I'm trying too hard and I don't have enough poise or steadiness of mind or focus, uh, then it becomes hyper. And if I don't have enough effort and I have too much concentration, then it becomes like, you know, sluggishness or just dullness in mind. So I, I have to understand how to balance diligence or effort with concentration and mindfulness helps to develop them individually as well as collectively. And then there's having the faith or at least a launching faith to make the effort, but, but the faith has to be balanced with verified uh, faith, which is another word for insight or, or wisdom. So if I look at wisdom as information, intellect, using my intellect, my rational mind, and a direct experience or intuition, then I can balance those qualities. So when I had pain, I, I made the effort to, to be mindful of it, to accept it, and to do something compassionate. Uh, in a compassionate, self-compassionate way that helps me to relate to the pain where it doesn't lead to more suffering, but it's it's dealing with the pain that leads to peace, leads to ease, leads to, uh, okay, I can manage this. And moment to moment, you know, I, I can deal with it. And I, I got to a point where instead of saying I'm in pain all day, I can say, you know, I had these pockets of painlessness. 
or had this box of joy. So that the mind wasn't coloring my whole experience for the whole day, instead of realizing, no, moment to moment, there's there's a flow of life, there's flux. Everything's always changing. And so it's relating to the pain in a way where I'm present for it, I'm allowing for it, but then I can allow it to ebb and flow and actually understand that even though I have pain, I can have peace in the middle of that pain by just allowing it to be and not identifying with it. So I got to the point where because of those qualities of mind, I could notice that when the migraine was coming on, it was kind of a barometer saying you're trying too hard or you're doing too much and you need to relax, eat, let it, you know, let things go, just step back and just breathe and just focus on developing some, some relaxation, some ease, some compassion for myself and some peace. And so just, just, just changing my trying too hard and bringing the poison to it and then being balanced so that I get to a point where slow motion gets me there quicker. Like uh, Hokie Carmichael, one of his songs is an old, uh, you know, piano man that wrote a song and one of his lines is slow motion gets you there quicker. It's another way of saying easy does it, but do it. I'm learning in recovery. It's the old tortoise and hare. So the, the hare goes fast and rest and falls asleep. The tortoise is slow, but gets you there and it's steady and it's moving in the right direction. And, and that's what I had to do is figure out because I was more intense and I wanted things yesterday. I had to learn how to, how do I balance effort with the continuity of, of the applying, but steady, uh, poised, balanced uh, application of energy. To just understand just, just baby steps, just one step, just, you know, just in increments. And then having the poise or the ease of, or the concentration of mind where I don't forget the moment and just being fully in the moment and, and remembering what I'm doing in the moment. So that it's awesome. that, that's really simple. And so, and then with the faith, obviously, faith is, you know, grounded in, in insight, which is, okay, this is, this is the lawfulness. Gravity is a lawful. It's a principle that's timeless, uh, universal, and self-evident. If I jump up, I got to come down. I don't have to believe in that. It's just the way it is. And so how do I relate to life, how the universe is? Seeing the universe is friendly, that's where the trust comes in. Seeing it's a lawful and a friendly universe, that it depends on my mind and the effort and energy I bring to something that determines whether or not I'm able to do it. And if I can't do it, can I learn from it? Or maybe it's not what I should be doing. So it's all of that. It's that whole mixture of saying, okay, I have pain, but I'm not in pain all day. And can I relate to the pain in a way that gives me some ease and some some peace around, yeah, there's pain, but then it's not the same and it ebbs and flows. And then there's moments when I don't have pain. And so when I start to recognize the moments of painlessness, they tend to grow. And I tend to re- see, okay, so now the pain is just there. If I accept it and I know it's gonna come, then I don't have to make it a problem. I can just say, okay, it is what it is and what can I do? And then, then, then go from there. Because when you have migraines, it gets to a point where even though it gets so intense that even the medication doesn't help. So you want to mitigate it or you want to catch it, nip it in the bud and see what are the conditions in which that migraine arises or that, that you know, so I have to stress my back and do stress conditioning, but also just understanding my mind and body are interacting. So if I have stress, the stress is going to show up in one of my 
man, am I self-observable both signs of stress, which will be, my shoulders will be up here, or, you know, I got the chronic pain because I'm trying too hard, or my back is hurting, and, you know, it's, I'm just feeling all that tension, and it becomes a barometer that says, dude, you might be too cool to have pain, but there's some pain in this body <laughs> up here. And then I said, okay, so I'll let go of that and say, yeah, this, once I accept this pain there, then how do I relate to it? How, how do I alleviate it, right? So that's what, that's what it comes down to. I didn't realize I still had these things on. So, so it's this, so chronic pain or pushing through or, 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 or trying to expand our capacity, because that's the other thing I learned is, is wellness is just this idea of continuing to build capacity or move to towards higher levels of wellness so that it's like I'm making deposits in my bank account so that when stress comes or when those high demands come, I can write a check without it bouncing. And a lot of the perception of stress has to do with realizing, oh, there's, I got to write a check that I don't have the, the money to pay for. That was awesome. So that's, so you get what I'm saying? So these five superpowers, so cultivating them. And so in that, just dealing with my pain, and then realizing that instead of focusing on my pain, why don't I focus on what I love and find a meaning? Because once we find meaning in suffering, this is what Viktor Frankl says, it ceases to be suffering. So if I could just be a witness to it and say, okay, I'm suffering. Maybe my role is to help other people who are dealing with this and share with them my experience, strength, and hope. So now uh, I am forgetting myself to find myself. Okay, let me focus on who I can help. Okay, so let me see if I can help somebody and stay focused on them. But it's also focusing on me first, but realizing I'm constantly saying, okay, the best way to learn something is to teach it. So why don't I teach people or share with them how I was able to manage my pain in a way where I didn't have to go to substances or, or act out and be mean or nasty to myself or other people, be hating on people rather than realizing it, it's calling for more care, more compassion, more ease. That's powerful. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I've been taking notes. Um, yeah. So here's a question. I don't know how, I, I don't, I think I know, but I, well, how would you describe flow? Flow is when you let go and it's like, the river is running downstream, you know, it's, it's, you know, the current's moving downstream. And when you're in flow, it's like you're in the current and it's just carrying you downstream. Or if I use a metaphor of, of like, say, if you're driving on a long stretch of road, say it's, say it's, you know, you're in New York or you're on Fifth Avenue and it's like you're going down the street, there's no traffic and you're catching every green light. You don't even have to stop. You just flow and you just, it just keeps going. So that's how I would describe flow. It's like you're just flowing. It's effortless. There's, there's a lack of self-consciousness and, and time is altered. So time, time just flies. It's like you're just in the moment and, it, and you're in the moment, this moment, the next moment, and you just stay in the moment. And if you really think about it in this moment right now, there's nothing wrong. So it's not just relegated to athletes in their. In no, their I, I, I have flow experiences all the time. I had my first flow experience as a non-athlete. So it's really more about understanding the conditions, which is you have to have clarity about what you're doing 
the goals have to be important. And then it's about monitoring so we're getting immediate feedback and then that immediate feedback we're making adjustments and then we keep making adjustments till we just get into flow or we're just being like water and we're just being carried by it but we're, we're out of the way we're not figuring out what to do next or whatever it's just because we programmed we did the mental preparation and we trained the body so that once we get into the activity we just get out of the way and let the body do what it does and it's sort of like this just being so it's more about being than doing but the being creates the doing which creates the having so what do i mean by that just being present being clear about what it is you're doing and what you're getting and being willing within the hair's breath to make the subtle adjustment just go with what you're doing so if you think about like uh, there was a time there was one i was teaching uh, i was supposed to give a talk at a meditation center in the southern part of my state and so it's about a 45 minute drive there and there's a lot of traffic and i know it's going to be tight and so i'm in a line so i could just be upset and then try to zigzag and try to go and then get mad at people because the person in front of me is going too slow or whatever or i could just say you know something uh just just be in the moment and just drive and just see just go with the flow and just be there, but just stay in the enjoyment of the journey and not be focused on the destination. Just be in a moment and just be okay with it is. Yeah, it's, it's traffic. I may not get there, but why don't I focus on what I'm doing instead of focusing on how I'm doing and projecting where I'm trying to go. So it's putting all the pressure in. Instead of just saying, okay, I'll get there when I can. And I got there in plenty of time, but most, more importantly, when I got there, I was more calm than I was before I got in my car. Awesome. Because I just allowed and did just feeling the road, just seeing things, just being with, even though we go and then we stop, then we go, then we stop, and then we're going slow, but we're making progress. We're just flowing, and that's enough. And a lot of times when we hit the roadblock or stepping stone or it becomes uh, we create a we have a problem or we make a mistake it's not about or we fall down it's not about falling down it's about getting back up and then getting back on track right on so that's simple but it's challenging because our minds don't work like that we're not programmed for that we're programmed for we want to know before we even engage in the activity instead of saying i can get comfortable with not knowing I'm going to focus on the journey and I have a goal, but I'll get to the mountaintop, but I'm going to enjoy every step in the journey and be present for the journey. And that is going to cultivate a mindset where we realize that the goal wasn't really what was the most profound and transformative. It was the journey to get there. How would you define a spiritual warrior? Spiritual warrior, that's interesting. So, and uh, Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan, a, a Yaki way, he talks about you have to be a spiritual warrior to be on this path of, to be a man of knowledge or to be on this path of, of self-discovery, self-transformation. So what does that mean? It means just like a warrior, it's like, it's interesting because it's like you have to be, yang and intention 
this is what Dr. David Hawkins talks about. Yang and intention means like masculine, you know, energetic strength, but then yin in process, which means you, you have the firmly, you, you're really locked in, you're really determined, you, you, you intend to succeed, but then the process that you go there can be light and ease and just be like water, just flow with it. So it's, it's yang or strong in intention, but then in process, because we don't know what we're going to meet. And a lot of times we, we get something like the, like the water, there's a rock in the way. It doesn't try to break through the rock, it just goes around it. So if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're working out and you're doing strength and conditioning, and so if your body is telling you, no, you got to listen to that. Or if it's, or if you're telling your body, no, before you even let your body see, if you can do it, it's very different. So you just say, okay, let me see what my body can do. And so by just being open, you may end up doing more reps or less reps, or you may have pain and you might think it's going to last all day when it's only episodic it just lasts for a little bit but it's being open to that and not having a fixed idea this is the whole thing about mindfulness is like mirror mind it just reflects what's there it doesn't judge it doesn't uh, embellish or pull or push away or interpret it just lets what's there speak to you so it's like this scene you have this mountain uh, pool and let's say, you know, and then you have the snowy mountain and it, and because the lake or the lake is calm, it just reflects the mountain. Nothing between. There's no embellishment. There's no ripples. There's no, um, what do you call it? Mildew or the green stuff. It's just, it just reflects what's there. It's not personal. So we have to be able to relate the experience in a way where we're seeing it fresh and new without embellishing it, without interpreting what's happening, but actually being with what's happening. Because when we interpret what happens, that's based on what we experience or what we expect. Versus it's just being what's there and just allowing it. So in basketball, especially with the, with the Phil's teams, it's uh, one, of the, one of the principles is take what the defense gives you. So if I'm a three-point shooter and they, they're coming up to take away the three-point shot, I'll fake and go by them. And if they're playing against me going off the dribble, I jab, step, step back and shoot, to shoot the shot. So you don't force, there's no force. There's power, power and force are different. Force is something you have to keep um, generating, whereas power is something that flows. Like you don't have to do anything, you just get into it and you, your, your principles, you're going without what thing, how things are and it just flows. And so we can have the flow experience, but there has to be some complexity because once we do a, a task, then we have to add a, a, a different a dimension on it. So it's like, okay, so maybe this time you just ran to get the, the race done. Next time you run, you run for, for joy or you run for a certain time. So you're always challenging yourself. You're, you're, you're just, you're, so your challenges have to keep getting higher so that you, it keeps pushing out of your comfort zone. So if you're comfortable, you're probably not growing. So you gotta get comfortable being uncomfortable. So you're a little bit uncomfortable, but it's manageable. This is how I learned how to deal with pain. So a lot of times there's the memory of pain rather than the pain. So I'm in a dentist's office and I have, I hear the drill and I'll master the pain. And then I realize that, okay, so 
can I just open up and just notice when he starts to work on my tooth that it's just pressure, but I can see myself reacting as if it's painful and it, he didn't even touch the tooth yet. But when he touches, it's just pressure. And those, oh, okay, so he didn't hit a nerve, that was fine, it wasn't any pain. But at the mean same time, I'm like this, and then I'm slowly just kind of relaxing around it because I'm in this moment, not in the moment that happened or the moment I think might happen. And so when we start to see, you have people with chronic pain, you start to see that there's the pain or there's the pain from me hitting myself, but then there's the double pain of the attitude or the interpretation of what that means. How do you create space between the stimulants and response for fear or for something that's really fearful for you? But be still and know, like it says in the Bible, just listen, just become a silent witness, just observe it happening without you being identified with it. So give you an example of how to deal with fear. So we're sitting here and we're talking and let's just say, of course I didn't turn off my phone and I didn't turn off the, the fast machine, but let's just say I'm sitting here and a fire engine goes by or, or it could be a police officer, you hit a siren. And so I can interpret that sound as being in a noise and it's noise and it's affecting my ability to listen and to speak. But in actuality, the only thing that's happening is sound is happening. So I can see it as just sound happening without having to identify it's a fire engine and, it, and it's unpleasant and it's disruptive. So I just know it's a sound because if I just wait a minute and just pause, it'll go by and then it's gone. But so it's, it's gone, but I'm still talking to you and complaining about it so that the sound is not going, it's still here. So in a sense, then, is fear just information, but it's how we interpret it that, that yeah, colors so, it? So, no, fear is helpful. So if you're afraid of getting hit by a car and you walk across, <laughs> now we're talking really about irrational fear, right? Yes, yes. And yes. the acronym is false evidence appearing real. Okay. I so like that. what we're afraid of something because it's unknown and we don't know. And chaos is just another way of saying that there's a pattern there that we haven't recognized yet. But if we just focus, reflect on it, learn from it, we can we can live within the chaos. So with fear, it's afraid of doing something. And, and, and the best way to handle fear, the only way is we have this, uh, well, I live in Massachusetts and, and I, I know in England they have a lot of poets, but we have a lot of poets in this part of the country. And one of the poets, Robert Frost, who, who gave, read a poem at uh, JFK's inauguration, I believe, there's a line in his poem that says, the only way out is through. So whatever we fear, we embrace it instead of uh, having aversion to it, it's opening to it and looking and seeing well, what's the lesson here? How do I relate to the fear in a way where I'm able to have comp um, courage to, to go through it anyway, to do it anyway, to fear it and to do it anyway. So I'll give you an example. When I first started on this path, company I worked at, they had this, this in-house training called Speechcraft. And actually I was part of Toastmasters. And so, so Speechcraft went to Toastmasters. So in Toastmasters, I get up to the podium and speak and I would start shaking. 
I was so nervous, I would start shaking. And the more I tried not to shake, the more I shook. So my fear was I was gonna get up there and shake and then maybe be paralyzed and not be able to speak. So the more I fought it, the more I resisted the shaking, the, more, the worse it got. So once I opened to the shaking and said to myself, I'm gonna be the best shaker there ever was, I'm gonna be a shaking fool, I stopped shaking. That's what um, Victor Frankl calls paradoxical intention. So you and you and you know what you're trying to hide from, you just say yes to it and embrace it. And they have a there's a whole theory of what they call uh, exposure therapy. So people who are afraid of spiders or whatever, you know, you just give them a little more, you know, you make them comfortable, uncomfortable, but doable. And so they just get they just get more and more exposure to it until it doesn't become a fear. And that's probably what happened with my speaking is that I spoke so much and speak so much that each time I got up there to speak, it was a little less fear and a little less fear. Then one day I'm up there and I realized that even if this fear of, you know, anticipation or like when you're starting a game or a big event, you know, there's a little anxiety, whatever, but that's part of the excitement and you just, you embrace it and then you just just do what you do and so what happens is the more you do something then you become familiar with it so in my book i talk about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable that's what that is i know but once you accept that you're uncomfortable and it's okay you're not going to die then then it becomes manageable more and more Everyone, if you're listening, this is why I've read, I've read his book three times. It is just full of, I don't know, it's like golden wisdom. <laughs> yeah. So can I share something with you? Absolutely. Uh, I read my book 42 times. Four, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, and and when, 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 I, when we start a week from Thursday, we start uh, the next The Mindful Athlete online course where we'll have six weeks of study group. For six weeks, every Thursday, I think it is, I'll get on and we'll have an hour where we'll have Q&A and I'll give it some kind of teaching, but we'll have a, a sequence, a process of going through all five superpowers and people will be able to practice and everybody will be doing it as a collective, as a group, individual and group thing. And so to prepare for that, I will once again, read each one of those chapters Wow. Each time I read it, there's something else. And because when I when I do things, when I talk, I record things, and when I write things down, um, when I'm in flow, I'm focused on the journey, and I'm not paying attention a lot to what I'm saying. So afterwards, I go through it and say, "Oh, this is pretty good. Where'd that come from?" <laughs> I I totally uh, I can relate. You know what I'm I've written a couple of books and, and then I'll read them. I'm like, I don't even remember writing this stuff. <laughs> because you're in flow, you're, you're in the moment. And when you're in the moment, if you're, if you're paying attention, now sometimes our memory is good, depending on the quality of mindfulness and we can recall things. But if we're recalling it while we're doing it, we're not in the next moment because we're still in that past moment because we're reflecting on it and thinking about it rather than being in the next moment and letting the moments unfold in a way where we're just being carried downstream. That's awesome. And, and so that's the challenge, but it's challenging to do because if you try to get in flow, you won't. 
So the best way to get in the flow is not to get in the flow or to see the five superpowers is making you flow ready. Flow ready. Yeah. So the mindful athlete course will help people become flow ready. Will help them with a lot of things. Now the interesting thing, yeah, it can help you be flow ready. And I would suggest you, you, you know, you do it, but you're doing it to learn. And it might be something that might be a performance um, target you have, like say maybe uh, work, love and play. Maybe the maybe work is the issue, or maybe because we're not working, that's the issue. <laughs> so we have to understand how do I relate that in a way where it doesn't affect who I am being in love and play, so that I realize okay, I'm not working now. So and I'm working from home and I'm not interacting. How do I focus? How do I use my time? Or what qualities can I develop in this time that I wouldn't be able to develop if I was out there doing things that's going to help, going to enhance when I get back to work, when I get back to playing. If I'm injured, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the ground running, and I'm gonna be better than I was before, because I'm doing the mental preparation and understanding and getting clarity about who I am, what I want to do, and who I am being. Who do I need to be in order to do that? So it's a very deliberate, deliberative, reflective process of reflecting before, during, and after. You know, what do I intend to do? What do I expect? And, and then during it, okay, if, if my, how do I keep making the adaptations, the adjustments to real time, self monitoring, feedback loop? And then afterwards, after the post performance, we can reflect on what worked, what didn't work. And then what didn't work, it's telling you what you need to learn and practice. If somebody wants to sign up for the course, what do they do? Yes. So, um, and, you know, uh, we can check with Andrea about, you know, uh, uh, whether we're going to have a special code for your listeners or not. But if they go to my website, georgemuffet.com, and they can just sign up for the course. Right on. All that right. way. And, um, yeah, so they could definitely do that. But if you have, you know, membership and they, you know, maybe there could be a, you know, I don't know. Normally what happens is we have a, a link or something. I didn't really prepare for that. I didn't either. It's okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they just go to my website, georgemuffet.com. And, and it's amazing because it's a lifetime, you know, once you sign up for the course and, you know, I'll do more of these self-study, you know, these six-week study groups. And then even when I'm not doing the study groups every, I think it's once a quarter or once a month, I don't know what it is, what the rhythm is, but I'll get on and we'll get on a, a live call and we'll do things. So, and, and as you are recognizing, it's, this is a lifetime process. These are basic fundamentals that you have to get, you have to master those. To master those, that means you have to go over them many times. And if you can do it in the group with the context of, okay, I'm gonna work on this aspect of my life or this is where I have a performance challenge. I want to show up more for my kids, or I want to be, show up more for myself, or really get clarity about who I am being, or you know, getting to chip away to get to that masterpiece that's already there. There's all of these different things, but just to pick one thing to focus on, this upcoming um, six-week um, study group is going to be focused on resilience. I'm in. That's awesome. Yeah, because we need to be resilient now, and especially where things are challenging, they're going to get more challenging, and relief may not be coming right away because 
of, of a lot of things, mostly politics, but because you have some folks that feel like we should be on our own and other folks feel like, you know, it's better together. We need to support each other and we need to take care for each other. So if that means wearing a mask and not feeling like uh, my freedom is not being expressed, I'm just protecting myself and others so that we can get back to work, we can get back to school and we can get back to some semblance of being able to do things without having to be concerned about uh, getting sick. And so we have to understand that and that it's it's really more about, it's a simple action as you and I, I wear a mask because I want to protect you and you wear the mask because you want to protect me. And that's the best reason, I would, yes. <laughs> yes. You see what I'm saying? And I do. So, but what happens is if I don't wear a mask and I say I'm not sick, but I might be a carrier and I'm affecting my family, all those close to me, because I don't see that that's the consequence of not wearing a mask, I do it and then I get focused on my freedom and become political, you know, no tell me what not to do and not realizing that that's really, really self-centered. It's about you and even if you don't get sick, you, you, you you could be a, a carrier and you're, you know, you don't want to be like Typhoon Mary. You're actually, and I, and I heard one case, it was a woman in Boston here at a hospital, a nurse, she infected 62 people. Man. We had a spreader event in Maine here. It was a wedding. It was, it was Maine's very low and they, and they, and they traced it back to a one wedding generated all of these infections so it only takes one person only takes one person and then then you hit a person and then that ripples through so to me we could do that with love or kindness we could be kind of one person and let that ripple to everybody maybe that act of kindness i give it to you now you there might be 10 people or more you that ripples to them and then they have 10 and that's how we get get uh kind of a movement a kind of a flow the the love your neighbor flow that's the greatest commandment and the second part love god with all your heart mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself and that's the problem because we don't love ourselves we don't love our neighbors <laughs> <Just say it. laughs> but once we get to that point then we don't have to argue about whether to wear a mask or wash our hands and stuff like that because it's obvious and it's and it's frustrating because it's like it's 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 analogous to sometimes not so much now I get off the air you know get off the airplane and I go out to wait for my ride and people out there smoking and they feel like they have the right to smoke but we know now that the secondhand smoke is more damaging to the people that are getting the secondhand smoke than the smoker and so if we stay ignorant and say well you know I'm just exercising my my right to smoke but you're not you're not looking at the impact you're having on the environment and the people around you and so it's not to judge or anything just, that's just facts nothing personal but that's what we know so on some level you're saying to me that i have to get cancer because your right to smoke is better and and you can refer that to the to the mask you're going to go in the store say you're not wearing a mask or just just take um the debate you had people who refused to wear masks and now it turns out that they were infected several of them 
and that ripples through everything, but yet they want to make a statement of not wearing a mask. Now, I'm not political. I'm more about non-suffering. Non I'm more about wellness. And so we have to do things and that can come with attitudes that can come with how we greet people. If we look at them like a thing or if we greet them as a human being, even under the mask, we can smile or just be kind. Thank you. Uh, excuse me. That sort of thing. I find I have to smile bigger so that they know I'm smiling now, but yeah, but they can you still, feel it. you can still transfer it, right? Yeah, you can feel it, but you smiling at me has a huge impact on your, your immune system, positive, and your whole body chemistry changes. It's a smile. Yep. The tone changes everything. It even makes you move better. Yeah. I think they said, exactly. I think they said it takes 13 13 muscles to smile and 72 to frown. So you, you work it out. It's um, more energy to frown. Yeah, there you go. And it gets back to you because whatever you give out there, it comes back to you. Awesome. George, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I had no idea what I was going to talk about, but it, like I said, it was great. That's how it goes. <laughs>